Well, good Monday morning and welcome to Connect, the California MBA's weekly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers in the mortgage industry. Uh, it's March, so we're going to continue our uh, our deep dive into customer experience topics and uh, issues. And we've got a great guest today. I'm excited to get into the conversation with him here in just a minute. But before we do that, let's thank our sponsors over at Accelerate. So if you're looking to close out more loans in 2021, and that should be everyone in the industry here, uh, it's time to experience Accelerate's award-winning customer engagement platform that features lead management, CRM, call routing, sales enablement, marketing automation, borrower engagement, and data intelligence through innovative use of multi-channel marketing, which includes text, social media, email, direct mail, phone, ringless voicemail, retargeting, and much more. As we always say, if you're looking to uh, catch up with Incelerate and find out what they're up to, make sure and follow Josh Friend on uh, on LinkedIn. He's got a great, a lot of great content that he puts out there. And if you wanted to schedule your personal demo, make sure and go to Incelerate.com. You can do that there. All right, well, let's uh, let's dive into the conversation here. I'm excited to welcome in Lynn Cook, an old friend of the association here. Lynn is VP of Sales at Optify Now. Lynn, welcome. Thanks, Dustin. Thank you. I really appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, yeah, excited excited to really talk uh, customer experience with you here. Uh, Len has uh, uh, been involved with the association for a number of years, and he's one of those idea guys that if, uh, if you get him on a call talking about uh, whether it's a, a committee or talking about a conference or a webinar, Len's got tons of great ideas. So I was really excited to uh, have him on the program today. So Len, let's let's start at the beginning here. Let's uh, talk about your background, how you got started in the industry, and uh, how you wound up where you're at now at uh, Optify Now. Well, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I many years ago, I actually have a degree in biochemistry, uh, which not a lot of people know. But, you know, uh, as it is, you know, I did um, make my way into the mortgage industry uh, by way of uh, a small company that we started uh, back in 2000 called Meridian Link. Um, and at that time, when we started that company, uh, we were developing software for mortgage credit reporting companies. So it's, uh, you know, kind of an incidental uh, sort of entry point into the mortgage industry. But, um, you know, after we found some success in the mortgage credit reporting industry, then um, as Meridian, like we actually expanded into a couple of other products um, and into the mortgage side. Um, we had a product, a pricing engine called Price My Loan. Uh, and then from there, we actually developed, a, you know, crazy as it is, we did develop our own LOS called Lending QB. Um, and so by way of, you know, just kind of, getting saturated uh slowly into the whole process of the mortgage industry you know that's how i got became very familiar uh with a lot of different elements you know of the mortgage process and the different sort of software and you know um you know process efficiency sort of techniques that lenders were looking for yeah well and you know certainly your your degree in biochemistry puts you you know in the long and and uh, illustrious list of mortgage folks who did not get a degree in mortgage banking and set out from the age of 5 to become mortgage bankers so yeah that's uh, it's always it's always a great story it's always a unique story with everyone in the industry um and so i'm curious from your perspective um, we're sort of now, it's, you know, uh, March 2021, we're a year or so uh, into this uh, pandemic, hopefully getting on the uh, on the downslope here and uh, uh, moving out of it here as states start to open up. But from your perspective, how has the pandemic, you know, sped up or, you know, slowed down maybe some industry innovation trends when it comes to customer experience? Well, I mean, I'm looking at it from more of a standpoint of a kind of an indirect impact. Um, uh, on innovation, right? 
Uh, I think that, you know, we've obviously seen that the mortgage industry um, was one of those very few industries that really um, somehow benefited uh, from, you know, what, what occurred, you know, industry-wide and economy-wide uh, in terms of the mortgage industry really expanding and gaining just tremendous volume. You know, I think what that shifted from an innovation perspective is, sure, there's always been a lot of great tools, great companies out there, but I think it's more about the underlying sort of financing of these companies that are creating these uh, innovations, right? I think we saw quite a bit of additional investment in mortgage-related technology companies. Um, there certainly were some large and small mergers, mergers and acquisitions. Uh, you know, I think that is has that indirect impact of, you know, really funding these companies that have interesting innovative ideas, um, giving them greater chance to grow, right? Especially from the standpoint of being absorbed with a, a larger company. Uh, certainly, you can take a look at, um, you know, uh, ICE and Ellie Mae, right? There's a great example of yeah. large transaction, right? And, you know, what that does is that infuses certainly new money, uh, but new people and ideas, right, to, you know, really come to fruition these different innovative concepts they may have had independently, but bringing them together gives them a lot more ability to actually act and create that uh, sort of synergy that you can get when you're bring, combining companies together under a single roof. So I think from that aspect, yeah, I mean, the pandemic has really sped up um, uh, that side of the development uh, and the, uh, the combination of companies and, and technologies that, you know, at the end of the day, I think specific to this pandemic, uh, people realize that the area where innovation really needs to occur uh, is on the underwriting side. I mean, it's always been something that's there, but, you know, with the crush of volume that occurred uh, during this period, uh, it really exposed, uh, you know, the inefficiencies within underwriting and, and highlighted those particular areas where uh, lenders want to find some level of, you know, um, you know efficiency, uh, you know, with specific tools. So it's, it's you know, for better or worse, you know, the, the mortgage industry did very well. Innovation is alive and well. Um, and we suspect, you know, coming out of this that, you know, there are going to be really great ideas that are going to be able to um, be released out into the marketplace with the funding that's going to be able to sustain it. That, to me, is the most important part of it. Yeah, I think you've got a great point there. Well, and I, I especially agree with you on uh, uh, the idea that, you know, you've got from a borrower's perspective, I mean, the innovation in the you know, front end of customer experience has really gotten to a point where I think borrowers, their expectations once they go in are even greater after they go through that first initial process and go through the you know initial uh, gathering of information and data. And then there's this still this kind of this gap of time and uh, sort of the unknown in there where you kind of don't really know what's going on as a borrower. And I think to your point, you know, that's where the innovation still needs to happen is in the underwriting and the processing of uh, a yeah. loan. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that is, I mean, regardless of how well you're able to engage with the borrower, you know, if your bottleneck is still at the underwriting phase, you know, they may have had a great online experience, but I mean, if their funding is getting delayed by, you know, 5, 10, 15 days, I mean, you're still going to have an unhappy borrower, right? So, right. You know, whereas, yes, I mean, I think it's great that you have a lot of great innovation on the front end that's engaging with the borrower, but, you know, a lot of the value, right, as we've seen, is going to be on the back end, right? Um, you know, those core pieces of technology that are really going to 
um, you know, kind of open up that bottleneck, right? Allow a greater throughput of loans, uh, you know, with less underwriters. I mean, you know, it, it may require some additional specialization that's uh, adjacent to underwriting to be able to do that. Um, but, you know, I think that to me, that's where it's really interesting. I mean, you know, speaking as, a, as someone that's come from CRM space, yeah, I mean, I can see all these different things that lenders are trying to do to innovate and engage better with um, with the bar. And, and, and we're here just to facilitate that. But um, beyond that, you know, the only other sort of innovation that I really like seeing is um, better utilization of data, right? I think that there is just tons of very mortgage-specific, realty-specific data that can be further incorporated um, into the front end of the process, if you, if you want to talk about that. I mean, you know, we've come across a couple of companies that are able to aggregate, um, you know, multiple sources of data and combine it together to become really actionable, right, so that lenders can be very targeted in the way that they're reaching out on marketing um, to their customers, right, be it you know, whether the customer is a borrower or a broker or someone else, right? I mean, I think that is something that to me is a little bit more exciting, you know, really making good use of data because, you know, the mortgage industry a little bit behind when it comes to um, really not just not collecting the data so much, but but operationalizing it and, and bring it to the forefront. So to me, that that's kind of more interesting part of the front end of the process. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, and, you know, I think we're still at the just the very beginning stages of, I mean, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see that uh, Lynn and I are both uh, uh, baseball fans here. And uh, obviously, the big you know, one of the big changes in baseball in the last you know 15, 20 years has been the you know sabermetric revolution, just the revolution of using data in you know new ways to create efficiencies that no one saw before. And I think we, you know to your point, I think we're just at the beginning stages of you know really starting to utilize the massive amount of data to your point that's out there. Absolutely. Uh, so let's uh, let's switch gears. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Uh, as someone who's been in the industry for a while now, especially on the tech side, do you think that we are? It seems in some ways that we're moving away from the uh, uh, approach that you know maybe five, seven, eight, ten years ago, where just this kind of tech stack bolt-on approach, you know, vendor here, vendor there, and it seems like we're moving uh, closer to a more of a sort of an all-in-one approach. Do you think that's the future? Well, I mean, I think you have to be kind of uh, careful about that, right? I mean, um, you know, a tech stack versus all-in-one, you know, is it really, when you say all-in-one, is it really all-in-one, right? I mean, just because, you know, all these different vendors are, are owned by a single company, right? And, and of course, Encompass is a great example of that, right? Encompass, you know, has an LOS, and then they went and they have a CRM, they have all these different tools. But, I mean, they really were kind of put together as a result of acquisitions, right? So, at the end of the day, uh, LMA may own the LOS and the CRM, but I mean, if the actual products themselves were separate, right? I mean, there's still an integration that's going on. There's, it's still a tech stack, but it's a tech stack within a single company, right? So I think there's that angle of it, but quite frankly, I don't really see that. I mean, beyond like what I said initially of the, um, the merger and acquisition of companies underneath a single label, right? Yes, I mean, I think that that has value from a financing standpoint, right? From a funding standpoint of that innovation. But quite frankly, look, lenders, you know, lenders all have sort of their, their, their own secret sauce, right? In terms of the way that they want to either do the front end sales and marketing part of it, or the middle part of the operations, processing, underwriting, or extending back, you know, all, all the way out into servicing. 
they have their own secret sauce. They figure out different ways. And in all these different platforms, especially larger systems, I mean, they're so configurable, right? That I, I don't think it's possible for one company to really truly provide just a, a complete soup to nuts uh, type of process um, that that satisfies, you know, a lender. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe if you're you're a smaller lender, a mid-tier lender, yeah, maybe there's some efficiency for you to go that route. But you know, as you scale and get larger, and you need very specialized types of functions, right? Um, for each of those components, lenders always have the ability to go and find their own vendor, go outside of uh, that ring, you know, that their vendor is providing. And and again, it's it's more a function of the fact that APIs are becoming so much more readily available, right? Not to say that APIs are are, are be all end all. I mean, there's it's still complicated, but um, APIs do make it a lot easier than it was in the past to be able to connect, you know, all these different disparate systems together. And, you know, again, the cost of development overall, I'm not saying that it's cheap, but, but it's, it's, it's cheaper, right? You know, whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago, someone that wanted to make modifications at the code level, uh, or at a configuration level, right, uh, was much more expensive than it is now. And so, you know, these lenders, they really can sort of build their own custom tech stack, so to speak, right? I mean, they can really design a workflow that um, takes advantages, you know, of, of, of their, you know, their strengths and, you know, build that custom tech stack, custom flow um, so that, you know, they've got a system that they feel not only meets their needs, but they have really good control over, right? I mean, the one thing that I've learned from lenders is, they want to have as much control as possible, whether it's them actually pushing the button or they have someone, a contractor or someone on staff that has the ability to push that button. So, so from that standpoint, I, I don't see that this tech stack, this you know, diversity of vendor approaches is, is, is going to go any, away anytime soon. That's a great point. I think you're totally right. That I mean, especially as they scale to your point. Uh, I mean, you're going to want that ability to customize and configure, you know, every little thing down to the nth degree to satisfy all the different, you know, process spaces in the process uh, and and uh, really make it fit your individual needs. And whether it's a market need or product need, I think that's that makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, I do see, I do see just one comment. I mean, I do see within these smaller segments, right? I mean, if you look at like um, like point of sale uh, providers, you know, I do see them aggregating different components within, right, that segment of what they're serving, right? You know, they, you know, you know, like Simple Nexus is a great example, or Maxwell, right? Here are companies that start out with just a single core focus of their platform, but then they started aggregating different parts that are adjacent to what they're doing, right? And so that they have a much more fuller type of platform. I mean, I do see that happening as, as you know, in that segment as an all-in-one. But that just makes it easier, right? For these lenders to say, oh, I'm gonna take this group of functionality from this vendor and add it to my tech stack. So from that standpoint, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of that kind of all-in-one mentality with with vendors in specific segments of the process. I think I, mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, yeah. So uh, give us a, you're you know one of the experts, if anyone's uh, been to a, a mortgage conference here in the last you know 10 years, you've met Lynn Cook. Um, and give us a practical example of how marketing automation really does help drive more sales. I mean, you're the sales expert here. How do you assimilate that massive amounts of data that you're talking about and make it you know, practical for LOs to utilize to convert more transactions? 
Well, I mean, so if, if we're starting at like, you know, like, like, for example, if we start at like the data level, right, um, that source of that data, you know, we all know about sort of list providers or list companies, right? Um, but if you're able to get a much richer data set to start that automation in the first place, right? Um, you know, if you look at uh, companies like Zoom.info, right, they're a great analogy, right? These are companies that have aggregated, you know, massive databases from all over the place and are continuously updating and scraping data. Um, you know, you, you look at how different companies, you know, are using that data to drive their initial engagement, their initial top of the funnel engagement right and from there everything flow can flow in an automated fashion right so you say you know i'm going to target um you know let's say i'm going to target borrowers in this particular msa within this particular uh, uh zip code that match this particular criteria right let's say you're looking for potential fha borrowers right you use that data to push out your marketing right and that marketing can be done in so many different ways right it can be done on social media it can be done via email whatever method that you have the idea is then to you know, mobilize that data into an automated fashion that will drive leads, drive interest into you know, a, a single pipe. You know, it could be a landing page, it could be you know, some sort of video, whatever it is, where you're able to grab you know, sort of that response data from that process and know exactly, oh, here's someone who is now, we qualify them as a marketing qualified lead, right? And there's just the fact that you can tag a specific individual with that label as being a marketing qualified lead, now you have a whole set of processes within your CRM that just set off automatically, right? I mean, again, the whole point is here, no one has to lift a finger. No loan officer has to type out an email, has to go and find that lead. No, the, the, your CRM platform is able to completely identify that that lead came in through a specific channel, send out a specific series of nurture messages, right? And then automatically notify the loan officer or your salesperson here is a, a, a you know a sales qualified lead someone who said raise their hand yes i want more information right so right there you've got loan officers working their regular deal right working with their realtors whatever it is and then they're getting this additional influx of leads that are being completely self-generated you know through an automated fashion so there you're able to you know show your loan officers that you're adding value through this process they don't have to you know be aware of what anything that's going on right so that's that top of the funnel right you get to the bottom of the funnel when you've got the loan inside of you know your los right again that's where a crm type of system can engage tightly with the los to automatically notify whoever it is right sure your initial indication is to yeah let's notify the borrower whenever the loan hits these different milestones within the loan process now that's i think that people have known about that for years now what we're getting into is no it's not just the borrower that needs to know this right it's these other parties it could be the escrow agent it could be the buy side the sell side agent right being able to get them incorporated in an automated fashion to know exactly what's going on with the loan process that's that's a big big win for the for the original lender right because now you've got a realtor who's a who says wow this is great you know i'm getting these notifications on my cell phone right i'm getting a, a text message that says hey my borrower his loan file is at this stage oh thank you now i know what i need to do next right and so that builds a much stronger relationship with the realtor builds a much stronger relationship with the borrower and as we all know that is what generates additional business yeah well and i think that leads us perfectly into the next question here 
So, I mean, this year, obviously, we're going to start to see a, uh, um, a shift back to uh, um, purchase uh, transactions from refi. You know, mm -hmm. what changes do you, do you see on the horizon uh, from lenders? Well, I'll tell you what I'm hoping to see. <laughs> I'm hoping to see a lot of lenders, you know, are saying, oh, I'm transitioning from a refi to a purchase business mode. That means I need to invest more heavily on my CRM and my marketing. Right. It's a completely different animal. All lenders know that uh, it requires a different level of effort, a different level of engagement. Right. With both the borrowers and the realtors. So, you know, what I'm seeing is that, you know, what we're hoping to see. Look, lenders are going to take uh, have a renewed focus uh, on configuring or reconfiguring their CRM to be much more heavy uh, on addressing the purchase market. Uh, and then that just ends up becoming an arms race. Right. You know, as you know, one lender starts, you know, you know, using their particular method for engaging with purchase borrowers. Right. It could be a social media method. Right. You see one lender that is being very successful in connecting with borrowers uh, in a purchase market on social media. You're going to see other lenders do exactly the same thing. Right. Again, advertising. You know, you're going to see a lot more advertising dollars being spent in the purchase market. And what that does, again, is hey, you're going to have to configure your CRM to be able to collect very efficiently any responses to your advertising, whether it's TV, radio, physical mailers, right? You know, again, this is mortgage, right? Um, a lot of the same marketing techniques that worked in the past still apply today, right? We, we can look at all these newfangled ways, Instagram, whatever it is, but at the heart of it, it's still traditional marketing. And with that traditional marketing, you need to have a system that's going to allow you to kind of manage those leads and then also have that capability to take 10, 15, 20% of your budget, right? And split that off into innovative ways of marketing, be that social media or some other method. And again, your CRM has to have that ability to automatically feed in, pull in all that data from these different data sources so that not only can you distribute the leads efficiently, you can report on them. You can really see what is your ROI on your spend in these different areas. So I think those are the areas that you know, lenders are starting to look at if they're not already doing it, um, cost of lead is going to be a big part of that. Yeah, no, I agree. And while I think you're right, they should be doing that already. If they're uh, if they're not already, they need to you know, get uh, get things in gear at this point because I think the change is going to come, you know, without, uh, I think the shift will be gradual. And then at some point we're going to, you know, cross a, a certain point and then it will be very fast and leave, leave some people behind who are not ready. Um, you mentioned social media. Tell us how lenders can use social media to engage with borrowers right now and, and build their brand equity specifically. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a tricky um, thing to answer, right? I mean, I'm not a big social media guy. Right? And also social, the only education I know about social media is from my daughters, okay? Um, but I have run across a couple of companies, right? I mean, I think, you know, you look at social survey, they've been doing it for a while. Right. And they use a particular method to leverage social media to enhance, you know, really the marketability of a particular loan officer. Right. Uh, but then you have a plethora of digital marketing agencies that have been doing social media in different industries for a very long time. Right. And, you know, you know, one company that comes to mind is a company called C Squared Social. We know we've known them for a while. We've been integrated with them. You know, they're a very interesting company because they're using those same techniques, right? I mean, they're using the techniques of doing very targeted marketing, right? Um, where you're specifying the unique or, you know, ideal 
uh, profile of uh, the, the, the type of customer you're trying to reach out to, they dip into all this big data, right, to be able to identify who are those people, and then they, they uh, deploy, a, you know, a series of methods, right? It's not just, you know, putting some sort of post on Facebook or, or Instagram or whatnot. I mean, they're bombarding as much as they can um, each of these potential leads that are in your ideal customer profile. Um, they're, they're bombarding them or, or touching them um, not only through social media, uh, but also through uh, um, uh, through pixel data, right? You know, they can track you in terms of when you're navigating to, you know, different websites. Um, you know, it's, you know, I can't, look, I'm an older guy, so I find it a little bit creepy, right? When I go to a website and it shows me an ad, something that I just see, but it's effective. At the end of the day, it's effective, right? And for sure, lenders are doing this right now. I think the difference is, is uh, you know, I'm not sure if lenders, like mid-tier lenders understand how available that technology is, right? I mean, it is not, it's not rocket science. Yeah, it's not rocket science from your standpoint in that you just tell these guys, here's who I'm trying to reach, right? And they're very effective in doing that, right? And again, it just it's all about, you know, as everyone knows, all, all about getting them into the top of the funnel, right? Getting them engaged with your content to the extent that you know who they are, you can then focus your sales efforts more efficiently on those people who are most likely to engage with you. So social media, yeah, I think it's still in the mortgage space. I think it's still a little bit in its infancy, right? I, I don't think we're seeing it as widespread um, to the extent where, you know, you and I are on, let's say, you know, Facebook and we get an ad from a lender and we click on it and we can engage with like a chatbot, for example, right? That's collecting information with you in a very comfortable manner, right? Almost conversational manner, but it's all online or with you know direct form fills right you know where it pops open a form that's pre-populated you know with your facebook information making it much easier for you to submit over to some type of request and then extending all the way out you know to you know these brands that are following you around uh you know on the internet so you know the, you know i'm sure that it's going to start growing very quickly you know as we have this purchase market because it's all about you know share of mind right share of time Right. So lenders are going to want to be able to, you know, leverage that and, and, and sort of, you know, elbow out any competitors uh, that may be doing the same thing. Yeah. And you are 100 percent right that it will be an, a, an arms race that will be you know, interesting to watch from uh, from the sidelines here. Um, so in talking, we've just got a couple minutes left here. So uh, a couple more questions in, in talking to lenders and your clients and, and prospects and just over the years. What do you think, I'm really curious your, your opinion on this, what do you think executives need to know that they don't know? Well, okay, so I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put this into context more uh, suited to what I- Without insulting anybody, of course. Right, I won't insult anybody, okay? But, you know, I think what's important for um, sales executives to know is that, look, you know, the front end sales and marketing part of mortgage lending is, um, really diverse right i mean every lender has their own particular methods right they have their own particular like i said before secret sauce on how they do their sales and marketing and, and they're very proud of that um you don't want your crm to be the limiting factor there right you don't want to have to be forced to live within the technical limitations you know of your crm uh be it you know from a functionality standpoint or from an integration standpoint you want to be able to be on a platform that gives you almost full complete flexibility uh, to do whatever you want and you know i think that's that's that 
makes people think of sort of that that big you know CRM company that's out there. That's not your only alternative, right? I mean, I think um, you know people feel like, yeah, I mean, no one ever gets fired for using that company, you know, because they're the biggest CRM company in the world. But the cost that you end up spending because they don't have that specialization within the mortgage space, right? We all know mortgage lending is very complicated, right? And it has you know a very particular way of engaging with uh, with borrowers. So having to go through that process from scratch from one of these sort of you know um, generic type of vendors of, of CRM, you know you're kind of doing yourself a little bit of a disservice, right? You may get to that endpoint that you're looking for, but you may end up spending ten times what you expected, and it's not really a feasible, uh, sustainable solution. So I think you know don't look at that company as being your end all be all. There are other companies you know that are targeted within the mortgage space that can suit your customized needs. So I think that's one thing for them to look at. Uh, another thing that we noticed is that you know data management is a lot more complicated than than executives think. Okay, I know their IT, their uh, CTOs and their IT guys, they already know that. But you know, uh, you know, lender executives, they need to understand that your data um, has may have a lot of inefficiency baked into it because, quite frankly, you let it get that way, right? You know, when you allow your your data to get duplicated or get messy or get unorganized, that just creates a lot of inefficiencies within your organization. It is worthwhile. It is definitely worthwhile. Staying on top of your data like 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 it's a garden, right? You don't want those weeds growing. Staying on top of it, if it costs a little bit of money to you know um, you know sort of allocate resources to you know cleaning out your um, your data on a quarterly basis, it's worth it, right? Because if you end up having just a ginormous database where 50% of it, 60% of it is actually not not even good data, uh, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice, right? And you're being inefficient. Um, for the sake of your own staff, um, you know. And then, uh, other than that, you know, I think while where I said that automation is great, you know, automation does all these things in automatic email, SMS, so on and so forth. I think lender executives they need to be careful with automation as well, right? You know, automation can create you know unexpected consequences, right? You you think a logical rule is going to only you know uh, sort of perform within an isolated sort of you know your expected uh sort of environment but there are a lot of you know it's data your computer is a machine it only does what you tell it to do if you're not very specific then it may end up doing things you don't want it to do right such as you know um you know uh, data duplication you need, need to uh, have happen um you know and then you also think about hey, if you're linking your automation, like in a CRM perspective, you're linking that directly to your LOS and you're using it as a part of your in process. I think you have to be very careful there as well, right? Because what actually may happen is that um, another unexpected consequence, you may expose certain flaws in your process to your loan officers, your realtors, and your borrowers, okay? Uh, that's another thing that I noticed that, you know, sometimes, yes, you want to say, oh, yeah, I want to give, you know, 100% transparency to my borrower. Do you really? <laughs> because if you don't re recognize that you actually have flaws or you know big inefficiencies in your process, you're exposing that to people. You don't want that to see. You don't want the borrower to point it out. <laughs> exactly right. So so that those are you know within the CRM context. I mean those are the only things that I recommend to you know uh, executives. You know uh, I, I think it's it's worthwhile saying to yourself, hey, you know I really feel like you know we have a very uh, specific process. 
Um, if I'm not getting that from my current vendor, there are vendors that can give you that specific process you're looking for. Yeah, I think that's some really good advice, especially about the uh, um, data. I, I, I think that's one of those things that uh, it's not the flashiest uh, flashiest thing to do or the, uh, I mean, it's one of those things that's to your point, I mean, it's almost like pulling weeds and tending your garden, but it is so important and it's just a total waste of resources to not do that. And to pay for, you know, even the, just the storage of the data. I mean, you're paying, you know, whether you're paying per user or whatever. I, you know, to your point, you know, a giant percentage of those users are, you know, not there. Then there's just no point, and you're completely wasting your resources. So, exactly. very good advice. So, last question here as we wrap up: um, Why should uh, we always, you know, talk to? Uh, we always end the podcast with the talk about advocacy. And I think for lenders, it's an, an easy conversation to have about why it's important. Uh, to support industry, industry groups like the California MBA and the MBA uh, when it comes to advocacy. But from a tech firm perspective, why, what would you tell you know a fellow tech firm uh, executive about why they should belong to groups like that? Well, I mean, look, you know, our, our revenue is based on the success of lenders, right? I mean, that's that's just you know baseline, right? Um, so whatever your lenders are supporting, you you really should be at least interested in, and aware. These are the topics um the regulations the laws that are important to them right that'll have an impact on their ability to uh fund loans which has an impact on your ability to, to uh, make money yourself as a vendor okay so that's a given but i think california mba specifically right you know you know i've been you know a part of california mba for a number of years um yeah i think number one there's tremendous value uh in this particular group because of the way that you guys have created a space that um, really encourages people to engage, right? I mean, I think that's one thing I really like about California MBA. It always made me feel very comfortable, whether I was working, you know, for a larger company or a very tiny company, right? I, I always felt very included. Um, and the efforts you make to really bring vendors together with lenders, you know, it's outstanding. I mean, you know, I don't think you guys get enough credit for doing that. Um, you know, beyond that, you know, I think it's not just about vendors seeing, oh, what do I get out of, you know, um, joining up with uh, the California MBA and meeting these lenders? No, it's also about what do I get out of meeting up with these other vendors, right? You know, myself having been, you know, uh, representing a, a, a an LOS company was a pretty unique position because we had to get along with a lot of different vendors, right? Our system had to plug into anywhere between five to 10 systems, you know, for any given lender. So working with vendors, getting to know your other vendor uh, peers is really important, right? And that's how business is done. I mean, we all know that the mortgage industry, again, very different than other industries. It's a very much relationship-driven business, right? You need to get to know who are your peers, who are your competitors, right? I mean, one of the things I love doing is really getting to know my competitors, not for the sake of, you know, some sort of, you know, uh, subterfuge, right, or anything like that. No, let's face it, guys, you never know when your competitor is gonna be your best friend, right? That's the fact of the matter, right? You never know, right? So, you know, Yep. It is. And so, you know, getting together, getting to know lenders, getting to know vendors, expanding your network, right? Being aware of the issues. You know, we as much as we look at legal issues, we're always looking at economic indicators, right? It's the same exact thing, right? We all want to know what the uh, what the treasury is at on a daily basis. You should also know exactly what is the state of any sort of legislation or re regulation that's going to bring up something like 
the new era, <laughs> right? Like the new era. Look, those are things that were a, a matter of, of advocacy at one point, right? You know, you got to stay on top of this legislation. Um, you know, you look at the different things that are going to impact, especially things such as, you know, regulatory data, uh, regulations over data, right, and security. So as a vendor, it is very important to be aware of this and to be active right make your voice known right you may not be a leading voice or have as much concern as lenders but you know being aware of them and how it impacts your business is, is just as important yeah i think that's a great note to end on lynn lynn cook thank you for uh, joining us today on uh, connect appreciate it we'll uh, hopefully see you in person at a conference this year <laughs> sounds great i miss all you guys so hopefully we'll be able to meet in person soon absolutely and if you enjoyed the conversation make sure and uh, subscribe to us here on our youtube channel you can also find us on soundcloud apple Podcasts, and spotify and we'll be back again next week for another episode of connect we'll see you then Here we go.